Hello and welcome and thank you for joining me. <laughs> um, so I'm in a car at the moment and I'm about to drive and I'm just gonna there might be moments of silence and strange groaning noises that leave me out of the car. <laughs> so I'm just reversing out the drive. This is riveting stuff now. This is the quality podcast material. So basically I'm in a BMW. Um, not my executive saloon, but I am in an X5. It's a higher car. It's fully insured, so I can be completely reckless in it. <laughs> I hope they're not listening to this podcast. No, I'm not going to be reckless in it at all. So, so for a considerable amount of time um, over the lockdowns, I haven't been using my executive saloon, and it's been in the drive, and of the two tyres that are running out of air, well, one's a cracked alloy that needs doing. It's a few minor mechanical issues, but I'm at that stage of thinking, do I get it sorted or do I get something new? So I thought I'd try this. Um, I do a few podcasts about uh, the Tesla um, model, uh, was it the Model S? I hired an Ulster Model 3. I suppose the Model 3 is probably more my uh, price range, but uh, they're nice cars. Um, the auto uh, pilot is just amazing. It's just mind-blowing stuff. It's like a spacecraft. But I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> I would, if I was getting younger, that would be strange, wouldn't it? But um, I am getting older, and they're very low to the ground. Now, I don't know what to do. Is it the X? Now, I don't, that's not available yet, I don't think, in Ireland. But um, And then my house needs needs some work on the electricity supply so that it can, it can be... Um, suitable shall we say for a charger so that's sort of on the back burner now the electric car idea uh, I'm pretty certain in the future I will definitely have one but not at the moment <laughs> so I've been looking around a bit now um, I've decided it has to be uh, uh, not next to the ground the car it has to be off the ground that's good that's important for me for getting in and out um, it doesn't have to be too high though that'd be bad as well I suppose but definitely I want it to be higher because of that I mean there's also some added benefits like you can see further and stuff it's a good visibility when you're driving which is great so so the X5 I was looking at the X6 um, the X6 is basically the same size as the X5 but it has like a curved uh, boot on it a lot of people don't like it <laughs> I sort of did I've, I've had one many years ago I like it really but um talking to the leasing company they're expensive to lease because the resale values are, are pretty rubbish because <laughs> nobody, nobody likes the back end on the X6. So I thought, well, I'll have a look at the X5 then, which is much more popular. So I thought you only really know when you drive one a bit. So I, I've basically hired one for a few days and I've been driving it around all sorts of different conditions just to see what it's like, really. Um, it is a very uh, tall car. It is quite high up. It's very long as well. Um, it's just shy of five meters. Um, whatever that is in feet, it's long. It's longer than my 5 Series BMW. Um, it's yeah, it's it's a big it's a big vehicle, and it's what's interesting. Now this one actually has, I think it's a three liter diesel. Obviously, hiring the vehicle, I was lucky I could pick the model, but I, I couldn't pick the spec. <laughs> I couldn't pick the engine, you know. So it's come with diesel, and in Ireland, you find that most of the bigger vehicles are diesel. It's just a, a popular amongst drivers in Ireland, I think, you know, but. Um, there's a lot of connotations now with diesel being bad for the environment, bad for your health, um, which I'm, you know, I'm aware of. And I know this particular vehicle actually has AdBlue, um, 
I don't know if you're familiar with AdBlue, but it's a, it's a liquid additive. So basically you've got your diesel in the tank, you've got your water for your washer, and then you've got a tank of this blue liquid called AdBlue, and it's urea. It's, um, it's a bit like urine, shall we say. <laughs> it certainly smells like it, I think. But uh, what it does, this substance, it actually helps neutralise the emissions uh, and get them to the level that's required in the EU now. There's different regulations on car emissions in, in Europe. Um, started out with, um, I don't know what it was, e, e, EU01, and I think we're on to 6 now, EU6. And every time a new one comes out, it's stricter and stricter. Uh, and I mean, the big, the big polluter are the diesels, really, um, just because the size of the particles, uh, I think they call them NOx, that come out of it, are very bad for your lungs and, and bad for the environment. So yeah, so um, I've got the X5. Um, what is it like to drive? Well, it's it's pretty good. The steering wheel feels quite small. I'm not quite sure if that's because it's a big car. It's incredibly light and comfortable. Uh, and what I always would say to people about driving it, it's like it's a massive vehicle, but it feels when you drive it because you've got the power of the engine and the steering wheel's great and light, automatic gearbox. It feels like a smaller car when you're driving it. You don't realise, or maybe until you're on a narrow road, just how big it is. It's a, it's a massive, massive vehicle. 1.8 metres high, which I think is, what, 5 foot 11, maybe and a half, something like that. <laughs> maybe a bit more than that. It could be 6 foot, but it's, yeah, it's quite tall as well. Uh, and it is interesting that, um, I suppose like most places, you really need to know the height of your vehicle when it's above, you know, a normal car height. So like a van or a 4x4, an SUV, whatever. Because there's so many places, car parks and things like that, where you cannot, you know, there's a height limitation. Anyhow, it's it's good to drive. I've been going downhill a few occasions. I've been going downhill and I've noticed uh, the weight of the vehicle. You can really feel it, you know, and uh, that's really when you know it's a big it's a big vehicle, I think. And then obviously, like, like I said, going around small winding roads and things like that. I'm, I'm just on the M50 at the moment, heading north on the M50. Um, it's got a nice big display uh, and it's also obviously got the, um, whatever you call it, dashboard, the normal sort of standard console, but there are the two L LCD panels. Um, they've got an unusual speedo and, and speedometer uh, on the display. They're, they're sort of a funny reversed idea. I mean, to be fair, I really don't look at them very often. They give you the speed and it's in kilometers per hour. Uh, for Ireland, but you can also convert it to miles per hour as well, which is just handy enough, you know. So, yeah, it's, a, it's um, it has a few ways of inputting information. It uses iDrive, the BMW iDrive system, which I use on my car, but mine's generations behind. I think mine was like version one. I think this is operating system seven, I think they call it, you know. But um, it has what's called gesture control, so you can wave your hand around and it does things. Now, I suppose for most people, this is amazing, it's like magic. Except I must wave my hands around a lot because I kept doing things I didn't want to do. I was switching the radio on, turning the volume up, turning it off now. So I had to turn off gesture control. And I can see my hands moving now. And you know, I'm literally, I've got my arm on the armrest, but I'm moving my hand as I'm talking. <laughs> and yeah, I was gesturing and it was doing all sorts of weird things. But uh, so it's a big um, horizontal screen in the middle. Um, I don't know how big that is. Um, could be 10 inch, it's very, What's the word? It's not very tall, you know, it's not like a 16.9, it's more like it's a 21, 21.8 or something, it looks that sort of portions. At the moment I've got navigation switched on and it's a 3D navigation. And it's interesting that when you're in a big city, say like Dublin, there's actually 3D buildings as well. 
which is fantastic. I mean, that's just magic, you know what I'm saying? It gives me traffic information, it tells me what station I'm listening to, tells me what time I'm going to arrive at the destination. It's fully integrated with your mobile phone, it's got CarPlay. Um, I've got my phone, actually, there's a little, um, a little, what do you call it, a little shelf, sort of hidden away where you put your phone on it. It's also a wireless charger, which is great. Um, so the experience of the CarPlay, for me, at the moment, has been a little bit mixed. Um, I, did, I did quite a good run up to uh, Belfast a couple of days ago, and uh, I got it working. You can navigate using iDrive, or you can navigate using uh, CarPlay. Uh, and I have to say, I think the CarPlay navigation, the, I suppose the Apple Maps navigation, was pretty good. It was able to find places that the iDrive, I'm not saying couldn't find, but were harder to find, shall we say. Um, so that was good. Um, the integration, yeah, if you, you have to enable the, uh, the Siri thing, but you can also send messages and receive messages. Uh, and, and Siri reads them to you, and you can reply back. And she converts them to you and sends messages, which is great fun. Uh, so that was pretty good. But it's going to get used to, maybe because I'm, I'm getting on a bit, you know. But um, the only issue I really had with the CarPlay, which I thought was a problem, I was going along the motorway, and I hit the button on the steering wheel, um, and I'm assuming the button was to change to one of the um, stations. The um, this <laughs> makes me sound like I'm 90. It changed to one of the radio stations. So it was actually playing from Spotify using my Apple iPhone in CarPlay. And then I hit a button, and all of a sudden it came out of CarPlay, went into the iDrive again, and had this channel playing that I didn't want to be playing. But whenever I tried to go back into CarPlay, it just had a blank screen. So it, it was there, they were there, but the main screen was blank in CarPlay mode. Um, but the navigation in the front, the actual, you know, in front of the steering wheel, that was still there, that window, so that wasn't too bad. But uh, it, it did worry me a little bit. I was getting very distracted trying to fix it. And if you're on a motorway, and, you know, it's a, it's a problem. Now, uh, for me, because I'm old and boring and sensible at times, yeah, I, I would pull in you know, if it got a problem and have a look at it and fix it. But I, I think there's a tendency that whilst you're driving, you know, to try and uh, twiddle the knobs and push the buttons and do all sorts of crazy stuff, you know. So, yeah, it was a bit of a, mm, that was a bit of a negative there. But the one thing I wanted to do with this, uh, with a car like this, is to not just have it for one day. If I'd have just had this for one day, one night, overnight, whatever, I probably would have had a, a, that negative uh, event quite important in my mind, you know. And that could potentially have put me off it, you know. But having it a few days now and I've got to learn it a little bit more, you know. Um, I have a tendency to use the iDrive for navigation now um, because it's reliable, as far as I'm concerned, it's reliable. Um, but I still have the CarPlay integration so that if WhatsApp messages come in or any messages come in, they'll be read to me and I can send them back in, which I think is fantastic. So I really, I really like that, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm on the N4 now. This, this road goes to... Um, well, it's signposted Sligo, but um, it also goes to Galway, so... Uh, the traffic's quite heavy. I don't know what the time is now. It's only early, it's half to 2.30pm, so it might be a bit of lunchtime traffic. So it's 2.30 um, on a Tuesday afternoon of all days. I can hear a noise as well. You know, I don't think the microphone will pick it up. It's a quite a high-pitched noise. I think it's a vehicle that's making a noise. Maybe an engine or something, one of these rubbish old vehicles. I don't think it's this one anyway, because this is exceptionally quiet. Um, yeah, it's a very quiet car. Very little tyre noise. Now, th these are massive tyres. Ah, yeah, it's a, it's a van next to me here making the noise. Oh, it's awful. But um, the tyres the, the are huge. 
on this car. And I did wonder, um, I think they're 22-inch, they're very wide. I did wonder what sort of, what would the, what would the tire noise be like? So I can only imagine that BMW stuffed the wheel arches with some sort of soundproofing because there is no tire noise. The only time you'd ever hear the tire is maybe if you're going over a bump. And this car is so high, I think the standard ground clearance is 21 centimetres. It's just, um, I don't know what that is in old money. Um, 10 inches nearly, maybe 8, inch, eight 9 inches of ground clearance. Um, so, yeah, I think the, um, you know, I'm amazed there's no noise coming from the tyres. It's impressive. Now, you know, maybe where I'm sitting, I'm high up, but I just thought that even through the cabin there would have been something, and there isn't. It was something the Tesla had, um, I think it was nitrogen or something, or foam inside the tyres to make them quieter, but there was still tyre noise with the Tesla. So now the noise I'm hearing in this, and I'm not going very fast, I'm doing about 90 kilometers now, 56, 55 miles an hour. I can, I can hear wind noise. It's not tire noise, it's wind noise. But even things like the wing mirrors, there's no noise around the wing mirrors. You know, it's, uh, they've, they've worked hard to make it a quiet car, I think. I mean, it is typical of BMW, you know, pulling out the stops um, to keep it as, you know, Calm and environment and relaxed. You know, I'm just I'm just trying to listen a bit what the sound is. So I'm hearing over vehicles a little bit, and it's it's wind noise, I think, but it's not like wind hitting the car. It's not wind hitting the the air beams or you know the the wing mirrors. It's just the noise of whizzing along. I'm now doing 120, which I'm going a bit fast. I have to slow down a little bit. I am I am slightly speeding here, getting carried away. That's the other problem, of course. <laughs> If your foot's a little bit heavy, this car will just keep going and going and going, you know. So I have to be careful, I have to be good. So it's got cruise control. It's not a great spec on this particular model. Uh, it's got cruise control, but it's not um, adaptive, which I think that should be the minimum on a car, this, this sort of car, this level of luxury. Um, the other thing as well is, um, I don't know why, why they spec it when it's a higher car, but it's got the individual trim on the inside, which is... It's pretty expensive. It's a, a very nice piping, leather, nice coloured seats, um, special paintwork. It's got illuminated individual phrasing on the door sills and a special light on the ground to illuminate, you know, when the doors are open and stuff like that. So it's really nicely done. Um, and yeah, it doesn't have adaptive cruise control, but uh, it does have some parking uh, features, assisted parking, which is sort of quite nice. But uh, not a lot. Of, there's a lot of gadgets missing that I would really want to have that really aren't here, you know, so that would be the only thing, but, and also on the, in terms of the auto steering, it does have a, a lane departure warning, which will push you back into the lane, uh, but it isn't, it isn't self-driving, it doesn't keep itself in the lane, it's really just a, like an emergency feature, and, and you can override it if you just keep dragging the wheel, or, you know, I don't know, it's just, so it's, uh, that's okay, you know, but it's not, not amazing. So of course, this, this is a, an internal combustion engine vehicle, so it's a diesel, it's 3 litre. I think these are twin turbo, I'm not quite sure the spec of it. It is quite powerful, I'm very impressed with the fuel economy. Um, a full tank was showing just around a thousand kilometres. Now I don't know how big the tank is of course, but I've got the display up that's showing me how many litres per hundred kilometres the car can do. And if you're listening to this from anywhere outside Europe, you're probably going, how the hell does that help you? Yeah, it's not great. But I always said 10 litres per 100 kilometres is about 30 miles an hour. So if it's better than 10, which means less, lower number than 10, then you get a good fuel economy. So now I'm doing 120 kilometres now. I'm just going to 
do resume there. So I'm now doing 124 kilometers. That's what's reading out on the display. But it's actually doing about 120 real speed, I'd say. And it's showing me around 7.5 liters per 100 kilometers, which is pretty good. That's probably a good so 40, 40 miles to the gallon. For something who essentially is a tank <laughs> and wheels. I mean, it's three tons. Let's not mess around. It's the guts of three tons. You know, with me in it and uh, my suitcase and the boots, it's three tons. So I'm now, excuse me, I'm now on the M4. Um, lots of wagons around. It's very busy. I'm not quite sure why this time of day. Uh, I've just passed the Eastlip, gone beyond the old uh, HP uh, factory. It's now um, a little bit of DXC and a few other companies that have some representation there. And, you know, it's with the Tesla at this point, I would have punched in the speed turn on the autopilot and just be gently you know, holding the wheel occasionally and you know and it would just hold the line it'd be amazing in this car you definitely have to be active you're, you're, you're steering you're full-on this is driving isn't it? this is what driving is meant to be as it is but uh, it's a different experience I mean don't get me wrong it's not necessarily negative it's just it's different you know it's not autopilot um, the cruise control is okay but it's the basic one should be a lot better than that, I think. And considering this car does have cameras all around it and sensors, you sort of go, oh, you know, it's surely just a software update, isn't it, to get the adaptive cruise control. Um, so what else is there on here? Um, the temperature, it says 19. I've set it to 19 on auto. I'm actually feeling quite warm. So I'm not quite sure what, what it's doing. Um, I don't know, maybe point the things at myself. So I think the way that the BMW um, climate control works, and I think has always worked since they made the first ever automatic climate control, is that they aim for a cool face and a, a warm legs and, and lower body, you know? Now, as I record this, this is July in Ireland, and this is like the, it's been a great summer actually. You know, we've seen double figures centigrade, so it's 19.5 degrees centigrade at the moment, which is warm for Ireland. If we get into the 20s, 24, 25, wow, it's just crazy. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to really take the make about that, but it's actually quite a humid country, uh, and that temperature I think feels hotter because of the humidity. And it's interesting that we don't. I mean, this car doesn't tell me what the humidity is out. Maybe it should. I always find temperature 35 degrees with no humidity is more bearable than 25 degrees and 50 to 80% humidity, you know? So it's interesting anyway. So I am feeling quite warm at the moment, so I'm just pointing this. I don't want to turn the temperature down, it's set to 19. And I, I always, there's always this chasing game with the temperature, and there's 19, I'll set it to 18.5 or 18. I go, oh, it's going to be, you know, getting a bit cold, I'll only turn it down a degree. But obviously to achieve that 18, it starts cooling air in. And then you go, geez, I'm cold now, and you turn it back up again. I mean, Maybe there shouldn't be a number on there at all. Maybe you just turn it, uh, you know, like bars or something. Let's not worry about the temperature. Just find the one that's comfortable for you, you know. The same with the cool face and, uh, you know, warm feet. I mean, I think that is great. That's a nice idea. Maybe better in the winter when you want to be warm. But in the summer, maybe just like a nice, cool, airy, <coughs> dehumidified cabin, you know. And that'd be nice as well, of course. So still very heavy traffic. I have managed to get up to over 120 kilometers an hour though, so that's not too bad. This car, you don't feel the speed. You know, it's one of those things, isn't it? When you're dealing with the power, the stability, the comfort, 
Um, it just, yeah, you just don't know what you're doing it, that, that, that's for sure, and it's very easy to go too fast. Uh, I would have liked heads-up display. I think that should be actually a standard safety feature on all cars, to be honest. Um, I have it on my uh, BMW. My one that was built in 2000, well, it was built in 2006, the end of 2006 in Germany. And I got it in, in January 2007, but that has a heads-up display. And it, to me, it's a safety feature. You're not having to look down, you have to glance down, glance off the road, it's there, you know. Um, so I do miss that, I think. Uh, I mean, to be fair, I mean, the Tesla didn't have it. So, you know, but it's a feature I think should be standard. The same way that traction control and all these other safety features, ABS, have become standard. Because they make sense, don't they? You know, so uh, so just looking at my map here now, it's telling me I'm coming up to a toll. Now, normally with my car, <clears throat> I have the little tag and I can just sail on through. Unfortunately, this vehicle doesn't have a tag. Um, they do say that the, the M50, the, the orbital motorway toll, that is in, it's not included, but they charge me for the after when the car goes back. Um, but the other tolls you have to pay. Now, I don't carry money anymore, really, I, I carry cards only. And for a long time, these toll booths in Ireland didn't take, didn't take card. Can you believe that? Only money, only coins, only money, only coins, only cash. So today, I've got my card at the ready. There was nowhere to put it. I'm trying to be prepared, you see. I don't want to be fumbling around in my wallet, even though I could do. I mean, it's not an array, am I, the toll booth. But, um, yeah, I've got it there at the ready. I've got it, there's like a, an adjustable piece on the leather seat. That allows you to push forward. You know, if you've got like your thigh to your knee thing, you can push that forward. Well, it's it's actually closed at the moment, and I've just managed to jab me credit card into it. So it came in useful, you know. So just, it's just as I'm getting to where's this for? This is Clay Kilcock turning. So it's just now calming down. The reason it's calming down, of course, this is the toll road. <laughs> so a lot of people they won't pay the money for it. So. It's got a lot quieter now, but what will happen is that the other side, I'll, I'll be meeting up with them, you know, when they, when they join back on. So they'll be taking the free routes, but it'll be the scenic routes, you know. So my cruise control is 130 kilometers an hour, that's 81 miles per hour in all money. It says it's doing 9.6 litres per 100 kilometers, which isn't great now. But I think I'm, I'm going uphill slightly, and I could be going into a headwind. Those are, those are big factors with this vehicle, because it is so tall. It is just... You know, it's a tough, um, what's the word? It's a big, heavy lump of metal that really doesn't have, well, it does have good aerodynamics, but not amazing ones, you know. So it is definitely having to use a bit of energy. It's down 8.5, 8.7. Uh, that's, not, that's not great, but um, like I said, I'm definitely climbing at the moment. I can see now. It's sometimes hard to judge when you're on the motorway. Um, this motorway, it's only a two lane motorway. And it, like I say, it's heading towards Sligo, you turn off for Galway. I'm going to be turning off for Galway today. I'm not going to Galway, though. Now, there's a sign here. They say to take cards. It's €2.90, this particular bit of motorway. So basically what happened um, about 10, 15 years ago, uh, the Irish government said, we, we need to build our infrastructure. God, they didn't need to build the infrastructure and build motorways. So what happened was they developed what was called a public-private partnership. So they get private companies to pay a huge portion uh, of the bill costs and they put a little bit in but then they would allow them to collect the tolls then and that's obviously how they got the money back um, and that's what this is so I'm just coming out of the toll booth now I've got to be careful here now there's one, there's one thing's closed uh, but there's a little symbol it's actually a yellow thing and it's, it's actually a car maximum height 2.2 meters yeah I'll, I'll fit in there I got this window down breaking breaking oh. 
braking, here we go. And I can tap here as well, which is quite nice. I don't even have to put the card in the slot. There we go, I've got a green light, and I'm off. Off we go. There's a car alongside, we don't give him some room. Just a bit of acceleration there, point and squirt, no other cars around. That's 120 now. I didn't put my foot down by the way, but I wanted to get clear of all the uh, the other drivers. Okay, push it back to another 30 again. So, on the actual panel here, what's very interesting about this X5 and a lot of the BMWs is they have a touchscreen functionality, they have the pie dish turn thing, you can write letters on it, but they also have buttons, right? And <laughs> I know why they have buttons, and it's to do with the market of the person who's going to buy one of these cars, and it's to do with their age, and I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> I don't want to say I sound like I'm old, but I think I'm entering that zone, right? I'm 14 and I'm 15 in a couple of months, uh, and for some features, I don't want to have to use a, a menu basically. I want to be able to just hit a button. Things like temperature, I don't want to be touching the screen. Uh, things like, um, I don't know, seat heating, uh, window heating, all that sort of stuff. They've all got a button, it's lovely. I like that, that's nice. Now, there's some buttons on the steering wheel which are a bit confusing for me. Um, I think they're programmable, some of them. Uh, some of them are meant to have a feature like tracks, go between tracks. But like I say, when I hit it there the other day, it actually took me into the iDrive again from the car play, which was a bit, eh. but anyway, just going on past some vehicles now, just coming out of there, but, um, so yeah, so I like the buttons, but then there's a, a bank of buttons uh, below, um, I mean, where the CD player would have been, I'm, I'm sure I'm the age now, there's no CD player, is there? <laughs> I remember when there's a cassette player, not eight tracks though, I actually do know, I have seen a car with an eight track player, which, you know, preceded the cassette player. And I've had cars with cassette players and CD players. So there's no CD there. Oh, that's interesting. But there's eight buttons. So apparently these are programmable ones. And I haven't, I haven't gone into the uh, instruction manual fully, but I think there's some, you've got some flexibility as what you can do with these buttons uh, and what you're programming them to. And I believe it doesn't have to necessarily be a station, uh, even though you, I think you can program it as a favorite. I might be completely wrong about this, I don't know. I mean, this is an automatic car, but I've got paddles. I mean, I can, I can do shift changes. I mean, do I really want to? I mean, that automatic gearbox, it's an eight-speed gearbox. It's probably, I don't know the price of this particular model, but this car is over 100,000 euro. Let's, for pig iron, say it's 130,000, right? That gearbox is probably 25,000 grand, you know? So why on earth are you spending 25 grand on an automatic gearbox to do it yourself? Jesus, that'd be crazy, wouldn't it? <laughs> so, um... So yeah, I don't really do any of that. There is a few other buttons talking about the um, the flappy paddles. There is also the, the the stick where you put into drive and reverse, and you can do gears there as well if you if you want to go crazy, which I don't. Uh, but around it, there's loads of buttons, tons of buttons. You've got buttons to do things like sports mode, eco mode, comfort mode. Um, what's the other one called? Eco Pro, adaptive. Um, I haven't really worked out what you do any of them because when you press them. It does change the console, you know, the instruments change, colour and things like that, and there's new little bar graphs appear. But in terms of the car, the way it handles and the way it accelerates, it seems exactly the same. Um, even in the eco mode, where it tells you you're saving so many kilometres on range. Even that, it doesn't, um, 
I don't know, it doesn't feel any different. The car, I'm not quite sure what it's doing, you know. So, um, yeah, it's a bit strange. But there's also a little lever here that can adjust the height of the vehicle. You can basically go up and down. Um, so it's in the middle level at the moment. And you can go lower or you can go higher. I'm not quite sure at all the more right now. Maybe I should put it lower. Would that help for aerodynamics? I don't know. Um, maybe what if you're loading it? If you've got some shopping, a big purchase, a large widescreen television. Um, and you can also raise it, I suppose, if you're going off-road. Off <laughs> can you imagine any BMW X5 owner taking their X5 off-road? Ah, come on. I'd say very few do now. If you're going to do that sort of thing, you really want a, uh, a Land Rover, don't you, or something. Land Rover, Range Rover. But you have that ability if you ever find yourself needing to go off-road. <laughs> and you can adjust the height. So that's a little switch there. It's got a, an Auto H feature. And um, it was interesting that they decided to call it Auto H, this feature. Because it, it, well, it wasn't intuitive to me when I got in the car. So basically the dashboard shows it in green, Auto H is enabled. And if you look down, the buttons lit up, Auto H. And I thought to myself, well that must be Auto Height, must it? Because then obviously it's speed, you go lower, you know, high speed, and then when you slow down, you can go higher again. You know, that sort of way, I don't know what that's Not that at all, of course, it's actually Auto Hold, which essentially is um, an automatic handbrake. <laughs> so basically whenever you stop, it puts the handbrake on and every time you go it takes the handbrake off for you so the, the handbrake button is a little bit obsolete in some ways but there is a handbrake and it's a button a little electrical lever um, so maybe with too many switches <laughs> maybe some people like that I think one of the interesting features about this vehicle looking at the console instruments the instrument console of course is the fact that it has a temperature gauge um, and it goes from cold to hot and you want it in the middle. And it's always in the middle. Never goes anywhere else. It's cold when it starts, heats up very quickly, and it's in the middle. Why have a gauge that does that? Why not just tell you when there's a problem, you know? So on my BMW that was built in 2006, the E60 535D Luxury Saloon was the first BMW not to have that temperature sensor. They had made the decision that you didn't need that anymore because why would you? It's either okay or it's not. If it's okay, we don't need to tell you. And there was uproar. There was uproar. Where's our temperature sensor? It's almost like a, I don't know, a, a pair of um, worn shoes that are comfortable and cosy. A little bit of a, a warm blanket had been taken away from people. How do I know if my car is not overheating without a temperature sensor? Without a temperature gauge, sorry, it costs a temperature sensor. But without the temperature gauge. And there was a, a backlash. So here we are, 14 years later, and we still have a simulated <coughs> electronic display of a temperature sensor. It's quite wacky, really. So it's there. I look at it occasionally and go, what's the point to that? Um, but people like it. People who... You know, they understand the car is mechanical and they you know, like to know everything's all right. Then, yeah. Um, and I suppose the other little oddity that I wasn't used to, um, when I look back at the, the center, uh, the center of the dashboard there, and obviously you've got the, the hazard warning switch, the triangle, the universal symbol, the triangle. And you hit that, obviously you get your hazards on. You know, you park somewhere or, you know, you're slowing down rapidly, you want to tell other drivers. Yeah, that's great, it's there, love it, fantastic. But next to it, 
was something I had never seen before. And I actually went, I actually, I actually went online, the clock's going now, hold on, but my phone's kicked in there. So yeah, that's, that's brilliant. So I mean, I had an alarm set on my iPhone and it's coming through on the display there and it's telling me it was, it was quite nice. I enjoyed that. Um, I actually thought it was because I was waving my hands in front of the screen. But I have turned, like I said, I have turned gesture control off. But essentially, next to the hazard warning button, there is another thing which I, I believe isn't a button, but it's a picture of a car with a green circle around it. And apparently, this is meant to give you comfort. Because if you have a car with a green circle around it, all is good. So I'm sort of thinking maybe that replaces the temperature thing as well. So I'm assuming it's to do with the check control messages of the car, the sensors, the service indicator. I'm assuming it's everything. And basically what it's saying is, it's all good. Your tire pressures are fine. You don't need to look them up. Why look at your tire pressures? On a Tesla, you can have your, your tire pressures on the screen all the time. Why on earth would you do that? I mean, you, you only need to know when one of them needs air, surely, you know? But you can do it on a Tesla. But I'm sure on here you can do a check and it says everything's fine, I'm not sure. But there's a little symbol, so I'm sort of thinking, well, that's a nice idea. You know, you glance at it right, off you go. And I, so I assume if it's yellow or if it's red, <laughs> you're in trouble and you have to do something, so... But anyhow, yeah, so there's a few little features and quirks that they've added over the years. I suppose it's come by just experience and what people wanted and needed in the car. And those were some of the things, so... Um, they, I'm just adjusting my cruise controls. It's a little clicky wheel, a plus and minus. You can do like per one kilometre an hour. You can do a longer press than does ten. And sometimes I find myself doing a ten when I want to do a one. And that's not so bad at low speed, but when you're doing 130, you don't really want to do 140 because you're in, you know, getting done for speed in territory, like, you know, so. The other thing, and it's only a, it's only a little thing. I'm just looking at my navigation. And coming up to the turn in Junction 11 on the M4, and this takes us onto the M6 for Galway. Now, I don't know, I don't believe you can change this, but it puts the Irish before the English. Now, I don't mind, I actually know these Irish words just from living here for 20 odd years, but I'd like it to be the English, I think. I think I would like it to be the English. Um, and the worst thing is it truncates it then. So, a lot of the Irish words are longer than the English. <laughs> and I think the English is there, it's just off the display, they've truncated it. It doesn't even scroll, which may be distracting anyway. But it does have a nice symbol of a junction. It has like the M6 and the blue square. You know, it's, it's nice quality, it shows you how many kilometres they're turning. I could overtake the XC90, because I'm badass in a BMW. But, <laughs> I mean, an XC90 would be, I think, a good, um, a good purchase or a good lease of a car to have, I think. Uh, meant to be an incredibly safe uh, car, and I think BMW, I think um, Volvo have a goal that um, nobody should die in one. Um, that's the goal, no one should die in one. I wonder if that includes people who might just have had a heart attack, nothing to do with an accident. In which case, what would he do? Eject them. <laughs> He's about to die, push him out of the car. I don't know. But anyhow, yeah, it's um, the BMW, has a, I think, is a bit nicer, has a bit more of a cachet. The Volvo, but Volvo's look nice to be fair. It's not all old men that buy them, you know. Anyhow, Junction 11, so I'm coming up to it, so it's like a double junction. The Junction 10 is very close to Kindergarten, and then you've uh, Junction 11, which is Galway. So it's telling me I've got 1.1 kilometers to run. It's also got a, an interesting thing about the speed limit. It's got a, the, obviously, the sat nav tells it the speed, 
but it also reads the road signs as well so if there's it's been overriding for some reason the speed the sat nav is incorrect it actually fixes it isn't that brilliant i think that's amazing so uh yeah i like that a lot you know <laughs> and it flashes if you're just starting to go past the the speed limit flashes but then if you carry on going it just yeah he knows what he's doing yeah he's a professional driver he's fine <laughs> so now on the M6, let's go to Galway. Fairly recently built this motorway. I think it was 2009, 11 years ago. That's quite recent. Quite recent for Ireland. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. This is still. It's still the private. Yes, yeah, the PPP. Yeah, it's still the Eurolink M4 M6. So this is still that 290 toll. That's paid for this basically. Um, and the way it works is the toll booth is in the middle. So you, you go through it and then when you come to the other side, there's no tolls or anything, you know, you can, when you come off the motorway. But you do get signs that tell you that you're leaving the uh, uh, the motorway that's been paid for. Oh, there's an X6 coming on the motorway. I might have to pull out and let him, let him join. Yeah, it's an X6. It's alright, I suppose. <laughs> so one thing that's interesting about this um, X5, it's a 2020 model. The, the bonnet. There's some really interesting contours in it. It's not like perfectly flat. It's actually got these ridges that stand proud. And I actually think they work very well. It's interesting that when I'm driving in a, a car park or a multi-story car park, a very tight place, I find it really gives me a feel of the bonnet and where the car is. There's just something. I, I'm thinking they're probably there for aerodynamic reasons, as well as looks and styling, I suppose. But uh, I find that it gives me a good impression of the bonnet. And I know, you know, the size of the car, it just seems to, seems to work quite well. Um, I do like the front grille. It's quite imposing, the way that they give the BMW grille a lot of height. Um, it's interesting, some of the sportier BMWs going back in the day, they would actually have narrower, not as tall um, grills. You know, and they've only gone to the tall grills now uh, as a new style, I suppose. Well, I like it, it's a big car, you know. What else can I say about this car? It's well made. Now, I know what you're going to say to me, Jason, of course it's well made. Made in Germany by BMW. <laughs> no, it's not. This BMW is built in the United States of America. And to be honest, you would never know. The steering wheel's on the right side. Um, there's no rattles. There's no gaps in the bodywork. It's quiet. It's smooth. You would really think that this car had been made in Germany. <laughs> I don't know how the uh, import duty into the EU works, but someone did say to me that what they probably do is they're not completely finished when they arrive in Europe, and then they have to say, I don't know, put the headrests on the seats or something. I don't know. But um, it's obviously because the biggest market for these large vehicles, of course, is in the United States of America. God bless America. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, the build quality. Um, it's like a split door on the boot, uh, or trunk, if you're in America. It's like, a, you know, you've got a, an upper door that opens electrically, and then you have a smaller panel that you can drop down. It's quite nice. That's I like it. I'm not sure what the advantages are having it. You can probably sit on it when it's flat. Maybe it stops things from rolling out when you open your boot. Maybe that's still a reason. And there's a button then to close the, the upper part of the boots. But when I was looking in the boots, I noticed there was two seats flat in the boots. So this is a seven-seater. 
Um, there's only five up at the moment, um, but yeah, it's a it's a true seven seater, um, and the boots are quite larger than flat. So I'd say you would still have a usable without going and measuring it. You'd still have a usable boot. I know for a fact I could fit my suitcase of a Kipling suitcase. It's bigger than a carry-on, but it's smaller than a big suitcase. <laughs> and I know that would easily fit in the boot with all seven seats. And then you'd have, you'd have space for more, but I mean, I'd only be thinking about myself. <laughs> my case is going to fit. Uh, but it's a true seven-seater, which is great, you know. So just good moving along here now. The weather's oh, it's dull. It's warm but dull, it's cloudy. Um, it was a little bit nicer I think in Dublin, but we seem to have a lot of rain at the moment. Um, yesterday there was a, 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 a rain warning, a thunderstorm warning uh, in Dublin. The warning lasted for eight hours between 2 p.m. and 10 p.m. yesterday afternoon. Nothing happened, nada, nothing, lovely day. But obviously what did happen is this storm must have ended up in England, in the UK. In southern the southern part and they've had flash flooding and London has had a complete disruption the tube has been flooded oh man the, the amount of water that's fallen in a very short period of time there's a lot of flooding occurred there now so it was just it must just be like a timing thing that it just it, you know, the thunderstorm went over us and ended up in in London you know um, I think everybody's okay now but when you see some of the pictures uh, of the flooding it's it's very scary now I have to say but, uh, so yeah, I'm turning along nicely. It's a few grey clouds. We could be we could be in line for some rain now. I have to say, um, it's 19 degrees now, so it's a little bit cooler. But I'm heading towards the west of Ireland, and uh, you, know, you might not know this, but it does rain a lot in the west of Ireland. Obviously, it's got the Atlantic coast, and I think a lot of it comes in from the sea. So it does get a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of rain. I'm afraid. Well, I suppose it makes it green. though. that's why Ireland's the Emerald Island, isn't it? That's why it's so green. Okay, so I have a bit of distance to go. It's just coming up to 3 o'clock, over 30 minutes, and I'll be to my destination. So, uh, thank you for listening. I uh, hope you've enjoyed it so far.